Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Fascinating Nouns. Now we are still the galaxy's most trusted source for incredible people, places, things, and ideas. Now as we arrive at this curious nexus point, we explore the strange, unusual, offbeat, bizarre, intriguing, interesting, invigorating, quirky, quaint, quizzical, weird, wild, wacky, the fun, the frivolous, and the fringe, and all the spaces in between. I'm your host, Daniel J. Glenn. This is a great episode. I'm really excited to jump right into this. We are talking with Seth Porges, second time on the show, brand new topic. First it was pinball, now it is Action Park, the most infamous amusement park in history. And if you don't know, well, you are soon going to find out. So Action Park was basically an amusement park, think Six Flags, without any rules, run by kids. If I had to put it in cinematic terms, I would say it's kind of like Disney presents Lord of the Flies. Kids were running the place. They were in control. There's a hierarchy, an established hierarchy in place. And the other thing that this place did is it taught a generation of 8 to 12-year-olds how to be men. Or at least how to be kids who like to dare each other to do really stupid things. Which are essentially, we're talking about the same thing here. That is my pitch to you, except this was in real life. This is not a movie. I'm talking about real life. Now, for those who know me, I do like roller coasters. I'm not going to say that I don't, but I'm a fan of going fast, quick turns. There's something about drops that I can't handle. I don't know what it is. I'm kind of a pansy. I'm all right admitting that to you. It's just you and I here. But when it comes to insanity, when it comes to the essence of adolescence, of male adolescence, I should say, and the idea of daring each other, young boys daring each other to do crazy things just for the sake of doing it and kind of being a man or not being scared. Yeah, that's not really my thing. Um, I don't, uh, I think I've proven all I need to prove. I don't need to prove myself to a bunch of eight to 12 year olds. So I'm, I'm past that point in my life. But if you are not, and if you lived in the 70s and 80s, this was the place for you. So I haven't sold it enough. I think we're, Seth definitely will. Um, he is the producer of basically the documentary that started the craze back over. It's called Action Park, the most insane amusement park ever. You can find links to that on the website, fascinatingnouns.com. And let's just get right into this. Seth, thank you so much for being on the program. You are my second second time guest so i hope it's an honor return return two-timer club two-timer club <laughs> there's only two members uh yeah. so this is kind of a cool idea and very different from what we talked about last time and i think the genesis for this was kind of hinted at our in our last discussion when you had put out a documentary called the most insane amusement park ever am i getting that correct I probably. <laughs> That's good. We just call we just call it the Action Park documentary. Action Park documentary. So for those who've never heard of this place, um, give me a synopsis. Yeah, sure. So Action Park was was and is an amusement park that if you ever went there, you are right now probably reaching for the scars on your arms or legs with uh, a little bit of a shudder. It was a park that sort of earned a reputation for being the most dangerous amusement park and certainly the most insane that ever existed. It was a park in which all common sense and sense of safety and insurance and all these things we sort of take for granted in places of amusement today just weren't there. It was a place that was in many ways as well sort of magical because it's, you can't 
find places like this anymore. And when I talk to people about this park, the response is to some degree, oh my God, that's where I got hurt. That's where my friend died. Yes. But then you get people people who are just incredibly nostalgic and miss it because to them, and the park was open in the 80s and early 90s, to them, it represents this time gone by, this this time before things were overprotective and rubber-coated and insured within an inch of their life. And people just kind of miss that. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny. You and I are kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum, but in a very fun way. Because when I think of this place, it sounds like a death trap. But I can totally understand the other side where if you're a kid, there are no rules. You know, I mean, this is this is like a, a 12-year-old's dream, you know. It, it is. And goodness, a lot of 12-year-olds got hurt. The place, <laughs> so let's just kind of run down like sure. what this park was. And oh, why where was it? And where was it? Yeah, so Action Park was in northern New Jersey in a place called Vernon Township. It's a little bit more than an hour west of New York City um, and not that far from Philadelphia either. So it kind of sat in the middle of the, you know, the great northeast, this, this major metropolitan area. And it was actually closer to New York City than any of the other major theme parks in the area, like Six Flags. So you had a lot of uh, the crowd from New York coming there. And it was mostly a water park, but not entirely. There are separate sort of areas to the park, one of which was a water park. There was also an area with a lot of kind of motor-themed rides, things like go-karts. There were even speedboats. And when I say speedboats, I don't mean bumper boats. I mean, they gave you a key to a motorboat and you go around the pond. And what made this park unique was wasn't just this sense of chaos that over, you know, overshadowed everything around it. You have to look and really understand, this was sort of in the early days, what we think of as a modern water park. When you go to a water park these days, you can pretty much recognize every ride you're going to run into from 10 other water parks. Everything has sort of been templated and assembly lines and standardized. There's, oh, there's the tallest slide. There's the slide that does this. Like there's a set, finite, almost catalog of water slides that you see again and again and again. Action Park predated that. And so all of these rides are sort of one-off experiments. Uh, and to some degree, you kind of feel like somebody is playing like the game Roller Coaster Tycoon or just messing around with cabs <laughs> and coming up with these wacky ideas and throwing them out there and seeing what happens. And so you had all of these slides that, you know, some elements of them might appear in another slide you might see somewhere else, but there was always something just a little bit off about it. Like it hadn't been fully t- tested or wasn't quite done. It kind of felt a little bit half-baked. And that's what made these parks so, so, so strange. So you had a lot of these slides, for example, the really, really tall straight down slide you see at every water park in the world. Well, the wooded action park was like three times as tall and much straighter and even had a net in the front to keep bodies from flying off of it. And they had all these rides that might recognize from somewhere else, but there's something just a little bit off about them. So it's very much like it's if Tom Cat from Tom and Jerry were to design a water park. This I think it. you mean, uh, well, or I would say the the Roadrunner or Wiley from, Coyote. <laughs> yes, that's that's what I come right. It was the Acme made water park. <laughs> what it was. But, I, but but so but there were safety thing. things in place though. The net sounds. I mean, that's what trapeze artists. Oh yeah, that's safety. <laughs> that's safety right there. Uh, so the park in many ways, was sort of a reflection of its founder and his personality in many ways. It was a gentleman named Eugene Mulville, and he was sort of like a, a local titan of industry. He was a former Wall Street guy who really dreamed of opening 
what he called Disneyland in New Jersey. And so he purchased these ski resorts in the area, Vernon Valley and Great Gorge. And if anybody's from New Jersey uh, of this era, they certainly remember these ski resorts. And even back then, you could sort of see this man's bigger than life personality kind of bleed into the features of the resort. So he wanted things, he didn't want to just build another park or another ski resort. He wanted everything to be the biggest and the best and the most bombastic and loudest and coolest and craziest and strangest. So when he gets these ski resorts, this is sort of in the early days of the snowmaking business in general, the, the idea of making snow, sort of very novel idea then. And New Jersey is sort of, northern New Jersey is sort of on a borderline climate when it comes to ski resorts. Like the season isn't very long there. There's not great amounts of snow like you might find in Aspen, for example. So he was really into this idea of making his own snow, but he wasn't just going to be the guy making his own snow like every other park. He wanted to have the world's biggest snowmaking operation. Everything he did had to be the world's biggest. He was all about superlatives. So what he does is he takes a snowmaker. And what is a snowmaker but basically a machine that makes snow and a giant fan to spray it on the, on the mountainside, right? Okay. So he thinks, well, how can I make this, how can I overclock this thing? How can I make this the biggest and best snowmaking operation the planet ever seen? So what he does is he takes the snowmaker and he straps to it an off-the-shelf jet engine from a commercial, <laughs> it wasn't a Boeing, but like from a commercial Boeing-style jet plane, yeah. strapped to the yeah. snow machine, and it took up half the parking lot. And so you ha- and it was loud, and you hear it for miles. So basically, you have the equivalent of a 747 jet spraying snow all over this mountain in New Jersey, <laughs> just because you have to have the biggest and the best snowmaking operation. And so we looked at the water park a couple of years later, and the idea behind the water park was, well, let's do something in the off season when there, when the snow, you know, there is no snow, right? So let's do something in the, on the same mountain in the off season. And the thing that was unique about Action Park is actually built into the side of this mountain. So a lot of the rides use the natural elevation and the natural slope of the hills to get to, it's part of their design, which is another kind of unique element of the park. Well, there's a lot going on there. I got one question for you. So, so the, the jet engine thing, let's just step back to that for a yeah. second. How was any of this stuff legal? How did he have a jet engine? How was that? I mean, was he the, is he the reason why there's so many laws in place around jet engines? I, mean, I feel like well, he set a lot of this precedent. You know, I, I, I want, I, let's just put it this way. I find it highly unlikely that prior to this, somebody in the legislator specifically sat down to make a law banning <laughs> the use of jet engines in snowmaking machines. Sure. You know, <laughs> you can only ban things that you can think of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to be one step ahead of you when it comes to that. He's like a mad scientist without any of the training. You know, I mean, at least Dr. Frankenstein went to school and had a medical degree, you know, when he was making monsters. This guy, he doesn't have any of this. And he didn't. So when he was making these things, were there engineers involved? I mean, or is this just him just drawing whatever? Well, yeah. So these rides and, you know, there were a lot of very strange things about many of these rides. Uh, What I was told, the story I was told was that ride designers on the fringes of the ride design community who Six Flags will have nothing to do with because they're kind of insane, (laughs) would track down Action Park because at at like roller coaster and amusement park conventions and conferences, they would track down Action Park people because Action Park had developed this reputation for being experimental and a little bit insane. 
and willing to try things that nobody else would try. So these people in the fringe of the right design community would track down action park people and be like, here's my idea that nobody else would build. And then Eugene Mulville, the founder of Action Park, would just be like, that sounds great, let's build it. And so a lot of these riots came from people who were a little bit off the rocker, uh, who were kind of, you know, <laughs> fringy, if you will. Uh, some of them maybe had design training, some of them didn't. And then they would just kind of build them without much in the way of physical modeling or, or testing. And then, you know, how do you actually test these things out? Well, he realized that he had this whole full of teenagers working at his park at his disposal that could easily serve as human guinea pigs for these rides. <laughs> and this was confirmed to me by multiple sources. Uh, he was prone to offering the employees $100 bills to serve as guinea pigs to test out new rides. So basically wave a $100 bill in the air and be like, who wants to try this ride out? And people would take it and come up with a bloody nose or two, but hey, it'd be $100 <laughs> richer. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, so now let's get, let's get, to your interest in this park. Uh, did you, yeah. I assume you went there as a kid? Yeah, I went there probably twice as a kid. I grew up in the DC area, which not that far from New Jersey. And I went there as a kid. And even when you're, you know, nine years old at this park in the late eighties or early nineties, you know, something's up, you know, something's wrong. <laughs> right. When you're an action park, it's not just that the rides look very strange and we can go into some of those rides in a minute. Yeah. Uh, it's, Everybody around you is talking about how dangerous Action Park is. Like you're at Action Park and all you hear in the conversations bubbling around you is, this place is dangerous, this place is insane, I would not go on that ride if I were you. And it kind of becomes this challenge, especially when you're dealing with all the teenagers who are going there. Well, you know, when somebody tells you you shouldn't do something as a teenager, you just want to do that more. Mm -hmm. And when the ride looks a little bit crazy, well, if you don't do that, you're chicken, you know? Your friends would be taunting you and challenging you until, yeah, you'd go on that ride and perhaps do it in a way that the ride wasn't actually designed to do. So I remember <laughs> as a kid thinking to myself, this place is nuts. And I grew up and I had these memories of these rides and this park. And I just kind of thought to myself, there's no way that could have been true. There's no way the park was as insane as I remembered it. There's no way that these rides I remembered actually existed. And thanks to this thing called you know, Google, as an adult, I could kind of look it up a little bit. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. These things appear to be as crazy as I remember it, sort of like deranged Twilight Zone version of a, uh, an amusement park. But was it really? This kind of sounds like internet-y urban legend type stuff. And so I came interested when I started looking into the urban legends and the rumors and the stories that you heard as a kid there, but then were kind of propagated on the internet. And I expected most of them to be easily debunked in the way urban legends tend to be. But what I found again and again and again was not only, not only was it that almost every story I heard was true, but in many cases, the truth was much weirder and much stranger and much scarier than what I remember. Really? And, Is that true? Yeah. So you have to, <laughs> and, and then you start asking around and you realize that there's this entire generation of kids who went there and since they went there, like me, they've been telling stories about this place. And nobody really believed them because, well, you're talking about a water park in the 80s. Nobody had camera phones. And, you know, if you had a video camera, you weren't bringing it to a water park. So there wasn't much in the way of footage of this park. And if you look around, you find a couple of grainy photographs. But really, it's kind of like Bigfoot. Like, there just aren't that many yeah. photos <laughs> yeah. going around. So what's there, people are like, oh, that was Photoshopped or that was fake. There's no way that ride was real. 
But it was, guys. It was. <laughs> so do you have scars to remember the place by? No, I don't think I actually got hurt at Action Park. But, um, you know, actually, I, I met a senator from New Jersey, Cory Booker, not so long ago. And he tweets every once in a while about going to Action Park and his scars. And he told me that he has a number of scars from Action Park. So kind of validated in that regard. Wow. Uh, so when did this place operate? So Action Park was in business through much of the 1980s until 1995. It shut down. And it's amazing it lasted that long. Eventually, the lawsuits and the insurance issues they had. And by insurance issues, I mean the founder of the park set up a fake insurance company based in the Cayman Islands. Or <laughs> really? Yes. Uh, so he needed a certificate of insurance in order to operate. So he made one himself. He, um, he set up a fake insurance company called, and this is, I just love the name of this insurance company because it sounds so legit, London World and Associates. <laughs> <laughs> That's up this insurance company called London World and Associates Incorporated in the Cayman Islands, the only purpose of which appeared to have been to insure Action Park and the Associated Ski Resorts. Uh, apparently, the oh, certificate of insurance was one step above, like a hand scrawled note on a napkin. <laughs> so eventually, all these issues kind of catch up. So they shut down in 1995. And in 1996, the park is purchased by a major resort chain called IntraWest which owns a number of mostly ski resorts. They took out a lot of the crazier rides, uh, which we haven't really talked about yet, so I'm going to save that for a second, um, and changed the name to Mountain Creek because at this point, the term Action Park had become so tainted and damaged goods. You know, mm. Action Park was synonymous with injury. So they changed it to the very innocuous-sounding Mountain Creek Water Park. And that's how it operated for a very long time. And then just a couple of years ago, the original owners of the park repurchased Mountain Creek. And that is super cool. Like, oh, these guys, it's sort of like it's homecoming. They purchased the park back. And they slowly start reintroducing some rides that they're not necessarily as dangerous. In fact, they definitely aren't as dangerous as the ones in the old days. But they're sort of homages to the design of many of the old mm -hmm. rides. And they kind of bring back a sense of adventure and experimentation that was really unique to Action Park in its heyday. And then uh, just about a year or so ago, after our documentary came out, uh, apparently the park executives realized that the name Action Park was no longer, you know, a liability, but was now this fondly remembered, nostalgic icon of the 80s. And they realized that people were clamoring to go back to the original Action Park. And so they changed the name back to Action Park, and it's been that way since. Because of your documentary. That's what they say. That's what they tell me. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> how, does that feel cool. to be, how does that feel to be a part of its history? You know, that's, it's actually amazing to me because <laughs> it's, it's sort of it's like, it's like meeting your idols, only your idols are giant water slides, I guess. <laughs> right. um, it's, it's kind of strange. It's very, very surreal because I, I certainly, you know, I went to this park a couple of times as a kid, but I wasn't. You know, I didn't go there a million times. It's not mm. like I grew up in the neighborhood. And I kind of was sort of thrust into the history of Action Park in this way that is really awesome. I think it's, it's going to, you know, when I die someday, my obituary is going to mention getting Action Park to change its name. And I guess that's cool. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, it, you know, it's um, the other thing about Action Park is it's, 
what, and they ha- no one's really capitalized on this, but in that area, you know, you're kind of talking about like a hist- a place that's historically kind of tough. You know, you're talking about Philly, New Jersey, New York. That is like a perfect setting for a place like Action Park. You know, you wouldn't see, uh, you know, Action Park in the upper northeast or something. You know, it's got to be right where it is, you know. Well, you know, it's not where it is. It's sort of like the far, far, far suburbs of New York. It's, it's not tough in the way that uh, a lot of people use the term tough. It is tough in the way that all of New Jersey is tough. It's a very New Jersey place. And when you tell people Action Park was in New Jersey, oftentimes their response is, of course, it was in New Jersey. Right. It's not like a dangerous area. It's not like filled with violence or anything like that. It's a really beautiful, scenic, wooded area, you know, pretty far out of New York, but it's still New Jersey. And New Jersey is New Jersey, you know? Yeah, no, I meant that in a, I meant that in a positive way, like a very tough yeah. group of people, not like a rough, not rough, tough. Yeah. Right, not rough, but tough. Sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's definitely, definitely a New Jersey thing. It's the kind of thing that like it just fits into the mythos of what New Jersey sure. is so perfectly. I know, it's a, but no one's capitalized on that, which kind of surprises me a little bit because it's so perfect. But yeah. Uh, so, what's your favorite memory there? Either there, either your personal memories or from doing all this research on the place. Yeah, sure. Maybe we should talk for a second about what some of the rides were like. I think that's. You want to go there sort of, first? Yeah, let's go there. I okay. think that's one of the strange, and it kind of bleeds into this. It's one of the strangest and most fascinating things, or just the specific rides you would find at Action Park. The most infamous ride by far was something called the Cannonball Loop. And as the name suggests, it was a water slide that went in a loop. And when I say loop, I don't mean like, oh, it's a corkscrew that kind of uh, tilts you upside, upside down for half a second. It is a full vertical circular loop. And it starts at an absolutely astonishingly high point. And it goes down in the tube until you hit the loop. And then it shoots you out, not into a swimming pool, but onto a rubber mat. And if you look at photos of this, it looks Photoshopped. It looks fake. It looks like somebody just made something up. It looks like it can't be real. But then if you start digging around a little bit, you can find some other photos of it that show the scale of it by having somebody stand next to it. And then you realize how absolutely astonishingly large and insane the design of this ride was. The ride itself wasn't really open that long. There's conflicting reports. Some people say it was open for just a couple of months. Others say it was open on and off for a couple of years for like a couple of weeks at a time, but it was not open much. Um, when I was a kid and going to Action Park, I definitely saw people going down it, but they were not riders they, um, or park goers. They were employees. And one of the most interesting and long-standing rumors around this slide is that the employees were offered $100 bills to test it out, service human guinea pigs, as I mentioned. And this is 100% true. I was I definitely verified this. Multiple people who worked at the park told me stories about getting paid $100 to go down this water slide. It's an insane slide. And what is really astonishing to me about this thing is it wasn't, it's, it's how much effort went into it. It was open on and off for a couple of years that they're like tinkering with it. And they were, they were trying to make this thing work. And what they found in the end was they just simply couldn't make it work because in order to get through that loop, human control and interaction just really hurt its ability to work. Because if you're going down the slide, you need a lot of speed, a lot of lubrication. If you're somebody who's going to put your hands against the side of the slide, 
well, maybe you won't make it all the way across, for example. And so there are just too many variables at play. And for a long, long time, it was, there were a lot of people who actually didn't believe that the slide itself was ever used because there was no known video footage of anybody going down it. Well, about a month or two after I put the movie out, I get an email from the former director of operations at the park. And he told me he was cleaning out his garage and he found an old VHS tape. Wow. And on this tape was about an hour of footage of just stuff he had taken at the park as well as old video or as old TV ads the park had run and some outtakes from those ads. At the very, very end of the video for about five seconds is footage of two separate people going down this water slide. And he threw it on YouTube and it kind of went viral in its own way. If you can, you can certainly look online and find this footage. And that was really amazing because that was really the first time in a long time anybody had seen a human being going down the slide and of course served as you know, total, total proof that it wasn't used. Wow. And, and this particular ride had a trap door, right, to get people out? Because if you don't make that loop, you're stuck in a tube with water. Right? Eventually had a trap door. They built – so they kind of tinkered with this ride a lot. And that's what – okay, what's amazing to me about this ride is how much effort went into making it work. They never could get it to work, but how much they really, really wanted to make it work. So what I was told is they actually initially built in a different part of the park. It wasn't as high. Maybe the angle was a little bit different. And it didn't really work. Like they couldn't get enough speed for the human or the crash of something or whatever it was to make it all the way through. So they moved the slide. They built it higher. They changed the angle. They start tinkering with things. They eventually realized you have to spray, hose, like hose somebody down before they go down to have any chance of making it through. <laughs> And then they start giving employees $100 bills to test down. This entire process takes a really long time. I mean, they were at work at this thing for years trying to make this work. This totally illogical and impractical ride. They're just trying and trying and trying to make work. Some people got stuck going through it, and they eventually built a hatch door to allow them to escape. Prior to that, they actually had to throw a rope down the top and just kind of pull them back up again, which uh, sounds like a lot of fun, of course. Wow. And so you had this situation, which is ride, like they really, really wanted this thing to work. They tried for years to get this thing to work. And all I can think about, I said this before, is there must have been the sense that if we get the looping water slides to work, we've won. That's it. Like no other water slides can compete. They're all going to have to go out of business. We're the <laughs> ones with the looping water slides. And the sense of like trying to get this thing to work carries on today. The park actually just announced a couple of months ago that one of the new rides they're currently building, which will be complete in about a year or two, is a, I think it's called Sky Caliper, but it is a looping water slide. What they realized was the problem with the old looping water slide was that, was the human, you know, the human error. You going down to like slow yourself down. If you're a different body shape or size or going at a different angle or speed or direction or whatever it might be, you may not make it across. So the way they fix that is they put people in pods and the pods go through the loop. And so the slide itself is coming back, but this time the design might actually work. So the thing I can't get out of my head while you're describing all this is that you're coming out on a rubber mat. Yes. Did they change that? Oh, well, the new slide isn't built yet. Um, I, I have no idea. And you'll be in a pod, so I imagine there'll be some – I'm just going to guess right? here. There's some sort of a like, track or something that sure. the pod kind of lands softly out onto. You know, the park now – it has a lot of rides from the old days, rides that you will never see 
at any other water park in the world because they are you know, remnants of this experimental era. And they have these new rides they're building, which are homages to the old rides, things like the looping water slide that's coming back. But everything is now safe. And but it becomes incredibly apparent was that it wasn't just the weird ride designs that made the park dangerous. It was the sense of who gives a crapness throughout the park. Yeah. The, the rides were operated by like very young kids. They got in some trouble. It's hard for me to verify exact details of this, but the reports in some local newspapers, they had kids as young as 12 and 13 years old operating these water slides, which could and did kill people. And that was 100% illegal. And the kids who did work there, they were, you know, famously, they would break into the beer stash. The park actually had a microbrewery on site. Oh, really? Uh, they would That's smoke awesome. a lot of pot. They would just kind of view it as their own personal playground and do whatever they wanted. So you have that mixed with patrons who are coming to the park feeling like they can get away with doing whatever they want to do. The sense of chaos and anarchy was really the overriding feeling and sentiment of the park. And do you have employees who are young and don't give a crap? And then you have patrons who are young and viewing this as their opportunity to go absolutely nuts. And you mix into that batch these rides, which are not very well designed, which don't make a lot of physical sense, and which, unless you ride them absolutely perfectly as you're designed to, you could get seriously, seriously hurt. And you have kind of this perfect recipe for a disaster. Well, it's like every 80s movie you've ever seen. I'm surprised this isn't a movie. I mean, it's very much like, you know, Meatballs or you know, where you have like this group of kids at a place with little adult supervision and access to all, either dangerous stuff to girls to drugs or anything like that. It's amazing. You, you know, you're, not, you're not the first person to say this would be a good movie. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why it's not. Um, yeah. Well, let's talk about some of the other rides. Uh, so the sure. Alpine Slide is also notorious when we're talking about scars. So explain that yeah. a little bit. So nobody ever died on a looping water slide. So let's make that clear. People okay. you know, probably got banged up a bit, maybe a black eye, bloody nose, whatever. Nobody died in that ride. Alpine Slide people died on. And a lot of people got injured on Alpine Slide was the most infamous ride that people actually rode. Like very few people rode the looping water slide. And Alpine Slide mm. was probably the most dangerous thing at the park. What it was is you would take a ski lift to the top of the hill. Remember, this is a ski resort, so they have ski lifts. And at the top, there would be a concrete track. And you would get on sort of a sled-like contraption. And you would go down this track. And you had a brake. And you kind of jam the brake into the track to slow down or let it up to speed down. Now, there were a couple problems with the slide. And this slide might sound familiar to some people because it's sort of a format that exists at various other places in the world, places in which people presumably get through more or less unscathed. The problem with the action park Alpine slide, and there were numerous problems. One was the slides were in this famous, notorious state of disrepair. The, 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 what people remember is that the slides came in basically one of two conditions. One was the sled was jammed into place, or excuse me, the, <clears throat> the brake was jammed into place, and the other was the brake didn't work at all. Now, if you have two cars going down a single lane track, and one of them has a brake jammed in place, and coming from behind is one without a working brake at all, well, it doesn't take a genius to figure out what's going to happen, right? In addition to that, the sides of these things, as it sloped down the hill, were not very well constructed, uh, the turns. So if you went into a turn at high speed, 
there was a very high chance you would fly off the track. And that's actually how some people straight up died, is they flew off the track and they like hit their heads on rocks and things like that. Now, coupled on top of that, you have this, oh goodness, you had a ski lift going over it where people spitting on patrons as they would go and cursing them. And as you took the ski lift up to the top, you would actually see the wreckage of crashed sleds just kind of lining the side of the mountain. <laughs> and if you get to the top, and there's actually some of the most gruesome warning signs anybody who's ever seen this remembers. They would show you dismembered arms and hands and limbs and tell you, this is what happens if you, keep your, if you don't keep your hands inside the car. We're serious this time, guys. <laughs> keep your hands inside the car. And then the last element that made this kind of crazy was that Action Park was, for the most part, a water park. So if you're going to skim down a concrete track and a shirt, you might be okay. But if you're wearing a bikini or no shirt and you're skimming your way down this track, your skin is gone. It is just gone. Oh. And so what a lot of people remember happening was just getting the worst burns of their life and just leaving half of their skin on the track. Oh, that sounds awful. Now, how did they get away with sending two at once? Because that seems like, a, a, a even in Action Park, a no-brainer, where you wouldn't have two carts going down at the same time. Oh, sure you would. So the track was, I want to say, like a half mile long. I mean, it started at the top of the mountain and went all the way down. And so you'd have lots of people on at once. They would just kind of space them out, right? So one person would go, then you'd wait a couple minutes, and another person would go. And normally, you know, in theory, there would be enough space between them that they won't smash into each other. Uh -huh. But if one person is very slow and going very slowly or the brake is jammed in place, then the person behind them is just like going nuts or the brake doesn't work. Well, that space isn't going to help you out. Wow. It sounds like a doomsday scenario. It is kind of like a post-apocalyptic theme park. <laughs> uh, so how about the Tarzan rope? This is also an infamous one. Yeah, that's still there. And Tarzan slide was Tarzan rope rather. It wasn't the most dangerous thing. It was just sort of emblematic of the freewheeling ways of Action Park. And a lot of people remember this one. It's still at Action Park. They basically have a rope and you swing over this giant pool and it was actually fed by a natural spring. So the water in this particular area of the park was known for being freezing. I mean, really, really, really cold. Somebody, one person did die on this ride, and they died when they hit the water and their heart stopped because it was so cold. But, uh, but for the most part, a lot of people have belly flop, but nothing really bad. You get a rope and you swing over this pool and you do tricks. You do flips or yell out there, or holler, do whatever you will. And this ride was sort of infamous because the line to the ride would snake right in front of the people swinging into the pool. So it kind of turned the line into sort of like a, a viewing area for people showing off and going crazy. So a lot of people would famously like, you know, whip off their swimsuits or yell very lewd words or just kind of go crazy. And it wasn't the most dangerous ride, but it felt very, very chaotic. <laughs> and that is, I think, why people remember this one so much. The laugh out loud moments in the documentary were about <laughs> were about the Tarzan rope to me because I thought it was really funny that you have a crowd. I mean, there's like this ruckus group of people, some of them inebriated, standing around, and you either got you know it's like almost like um, the Apollo Theater, <laughs> like if you did something really cool, like you were gonna get cheered, you know, out of the place, and people remember you and you go down in history. And if you wiped out, I mean, you got mocked and booed and oh, booed is a merciless crowd, <laughs> merciless crowd. No, the action park crowd was merciless. And you know what? The ride is actually 
it's kind of scary to go off of because you're on this platform, you got like 15 or so feet of, you know, at least that above the water and you swing into it. A lot of people would kind of instantly wipe out or lose their grip on the rope, or they would kind of scrape their feet <laughs> on the platform. And it was very easy to be very graceless on this ride. And that would certainly uh, leave you open to the, the critique of the mob. Yeah. Well, the other part was that, like you, like you were kind of alluded to, is that people just yank down their shorts and like flash yeah. the crowd, and like that's so crazy. Oh yeah, or just yell f bombs at kids. I mean, it was <laughs> it was an opportunity for sort of all of the base instincts of the unruly action park crowd to really let loose. Uh, and I didn't know there was a death in the Tarzan rope. Yeah, but that one. I mean, the person probably had some heart issues, and they hit the very 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 cold water at this one so there's one corner of the park there are two rides and it both of which are still there both of which are still kind of nuts and unique rides yeah the tarzan swing it's something called a cannibal falls not the cannibal loop a little bit different cannibal falls and there was this ride that you go into basically a pitch black tube and then the ride would just suddenly cut off it just end and you would shoot out like 20 feet into the water as if you were a cannonball and it was really cool really fun it is freaking cold water though in this part of the park because of the natural spring that feeds it and it's, i think today those are probably the most terrifying rides at the park just because that water is so freaking cold that's crazy uh and, and kind of the theme of all this and in a weird little way is what they wanted to do is control the individual you know like patrons experience you know the alpine slide you can control how fast you go and the tarzan rope you can kind of control what yeah. you do like that was kind of the theme right well, they wanted to allow people to control their own experience. And so the founder of the park was very big on what he called self-participation rides. The idea, the idea that at Action Park, they're not going to strap you into a car like they would at Disney World. You're controlling the action. You're controlling how fast you go, how you go, how you get on the ride. They're not going to tell you what to do. And the upshot of that is you're going to have a really good time because you feel like you're part of the fun. Like you're, you're involved. You're not a passive participant. But the downside is you could get hurt if you don't do things exactly right, especially if you're doing things not exactly right on rides with some questionable design decisions. Yeah. Well, so let's move on to the – there were numerous deaths at the park. Yeah. So let's talk about those. Who yeah. what rides? Yeah. So other than the Alpine slide, uh, the plurality of deaths occurred at the wave pool. And, again, wave pools are things you find at other water parks. They're fairly standard. It tends to be pretty dangerous as far as water park attractions go. Uh, you know, you have a lot of people who may not be the best swimmers dealing with giant waves. And typically, if, even if you do have experience, they go into beaches and dealing with waves. That's salt water. It's a little more buoyant. When you're dealing with waves in, in a freshwater pool, it can be kind of uh, disconcerting how little control you actually have. But the thing about the Action Park Wave Pool that made it a little bit different, a little bit more dangerous, was how freaking huge it was the sheer size of this thing and it was lined with a couple of lifeguards who are you just had their hands full and you had a lot of people who didn't really know how to swim that well coming to this place and the the distance from the sides of the pool to the center of the pool were very very large so the lifeguard had to go after you they had to fight through a very crowded mob of people and figuring out who was actually in danger and who was just horse playing around because, hey, it's Action Park. That's where you go to horse play. It was really, really hard. So you had all of these issues come together. And really, the, the weirdest thing about this, this uh, attraction, is that unlike most wave pools, I've never been to one, 
typically the standard format is the waves will be on for just a couple of minutes, like two or three minutes of waves, and things will calm down for you know, 20 minutes or so, 30 minutes or so. Action Park, it was the other way around. So you'd have these crazy massive waves going for like 20 nonstop minutes, then you have a couple minutes of break, and then it turned right back on again. And you may not have time to get out of that pool between the crazy waves. And you have people who are just drowning as a result pretty regularly. I'm actually shocked more the lifeguards don't have like PTSD. I mean, if people are dying on your watch, that's got to mess with your head. They might have PTSD. I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's got to be pretty scary. And that was probably one of the most, the hardest jobs to work was the lifeguard at the wave pool because you really had to pay attention. And Figuring out who's just a rowdy teenager and who's drowning, that's really hard to do. Yeah, I cannot, yeah, I mean, that's insane. Yeah. So there was an electrocution at the park too, right? There was an electrocution. So they had this ride that uh, was taken out after. It's called the kayak experience, in which you'd be basically you know, piloting a kayak uh, through a little fake river. And somebody fell out of it, and there was an exposed wire, I believe, and they died. They electrocuted. How is there an exposed wire underneath the water? I think there's a lot of uh, electrical machinery underneath a lot of these rides. Typically, you know, you have insulation, uh, but apparently this one, you know, something went wrong across the way and didn't really work out that well for that person. <laughs> That's insane. Uh, did any other deaths happen at the park? Yeah, there's a couple. It's hard for me to remember all of them off the top of my head. Uh, most of them occurred at the Waypool. There were a couple at the Alpine slide. There were a couple of deaths, um, but really the number of deaths is nothing compared to the number of injuries. It was a park where some people died. Almost everybody got hurt to some degree. It's a park where like, if somebody went to the park, the chance of them remembering them or their close friends getting hurt or having scars from the park are greater than even. Like it's, I mean, it's astonishing how many people got hurt, various degrees, anything from broken bones to Alpine slide scrapes on a daily basis. Well, I thought this was kind of a clever nickname, but they called it Class Action Park. Well, Action Park had all sorts of nicknames. It was Action Park. It was Traction Park. It was Class Action Park. And I remember being at Action Park as a kid and people calling it Accident Park at the park at the time. <laughs> it was, again, when you're at Action Park, all anybody can talk about is how dangerous and insane Action Park is. And those names were thrown out at the park willy-nilly. Well, I, so uh, some of the stats I, I saw, tell me if these sound pretty accurate, but they said in 87, 10 people per day were brought to the emergency room and that the, uh, that the New Jersey Herald said that the town of Vernon had to buy additional ambulances just to keep up with people going to the emergency room from Action Park specifically. So it's a little more complex than that. Okay. So 10 people a day went to the emergency room. That sounds like that might be about right, but probably hundreds a day are getting injured and not going to the emergency room. The park did everything it could to keep people from going to the hospital because those injuries would be the ones that they would report, right? Okay. So if you can kind of uh, deal with it on site using your infirmary or paramedics or whatever you have there, you can kind of sweep it on the rug a little bit easier. So the 10 that go to the ER, those are like the 10 really bad ones occurring per day. And you have the hundreds of abrasions and scrapes and maybe just a broken pinky or whatever it's going to be that doesn't make its way to the ER and doesn't get fully reported as a result. Now, regarding the ambulances, my understanding is that Action Park actually purchased its own fleet of ambulances because Vernon, I think it was a small town, but it had probably a, like a volunteer EMS or fire department. Uh, they, they're totally ill-equipped to deal with 
what is probably the most dangerous amusement park in the world being on their soil. So Action Park had its own fleet of ambulances, and it's also allowed them greater, this is a couple of things, allowed them greater control over who would actually go to the ER and get reported <laughs> because they're the ones running the ambulances. That's messed it up, also, though. You know that, right? <laughs> That's totally messed yeah, up. Yeah, it's a little messed up. Uh, it also kind of served as, I'm not going to say like bribery or anything like that, but it, it was something they could kind of offer to the town to kind of keep relations nice. Mm. So like, here's some, here's some ambulances. We got them. Yeah. So do you have any idea what this on-site infirmary looked like? No, I mean, that's a great I'm question. I'm curious, like, how imagine big is it? Yeah. Like, imagine some, like, World War One triage <laughs> with, like, guys with crutches and bandanas around their eyes and, <laughs> yeah. and a bunch of, like, you know, uh, old-time French and English nurses. Uh, <laughs> so that's what I imagine. There's a tent in the French, in, you know, frontier. <laughs> that's, what it is. that's what I pictured, too, so we're going to, let's go with that. Um, very English patient-esque, I think, is what it was. <laughs> I think so. Uh, so now the the current owner is Andy, who's the son of the original owner, and he worked yeah, there the at cur- the park, right? Yeah, he's the current CEO. I mean, okay. I, I'm assuming there's like other investors and owners involved, but his his father led the group of people who repurchased the park a couple of years ago. His father passed away a couple of years ago. The original mastermind behind the park, Andy uh, grew up on the park. He was an employee there. He was head lifeguard there. And he kind of ran the joint as a kid to some degree. And you talk to him, he's got nothing but fond memories about the park. He's one of the people who really misses, I think, what it was. And I can totally understand, like, these are probably the best years of your life as a kid running around the water park. It's going to, you know, you want awesome. Like, who wouldn't want that back, right? Yeah. And so he's running the park now, and he knows it as well as anybody because his dad ran it before him, and he grew up there. And he is sort of, you know, I'm really amazed at him as a character because he uh, has embraced the legacy of Action Park in a way that's rather surprising and I think rather smart as well. It's, you know, if, if Disney World or Six Flags owned this park, you'd have to imagine they would do everything they can to forget the past and forget its legacy. And I think he was one of the people who really realized that a lot of people missed what Action Park was and they had a really good time there and they're nostalgic to it. And so he's the guy who's like, let's call it Action Park again. Let's bring back these rides that remind us of the old days. And I think that's really smart because otherwise you're just basically an anonymous, random regional water park in northern New Jersey. Now you're Action Park. You're where the, this amazing stuff happens. We're talking about Action Park. We wouldn't be talking about some random water park otherwise. I guess that's true. And you are partially responsible for that. I'm going to give you credit for it again. <laughs> I'll take it. Okay. Uh, so, and that was announced on April Fool's Day, right? You yes, and part. I think a lot of people thought it was a joke because it was announced that, that they were changing the name back to Action Park on April Fool's Day. Not a joke. <laughs> it's real. Uh, so now let's talk about some of the fallout because there was there's a legacy that exists now, uh, a legal legacy because of Action Park, including the Carnival Amusement Ride Safety Act of 1975. Do you know anything about sure. that? So that? Yeah, yeah. So that was, yeah. uh, and, you know, they had a lot of legal issues, <laughs> all, all sorts of the park, anything from, you know, insurance to the land use, the first parts of the mountain were sort of leased by the, leased to them by the state or town or whoever. Um, this particular act is just a, a law that kind of, describes very, you know, some of the ins and outs of how theme parks are allowed to operate. And this is the law that basically says that you have to be above 16 years old to operate a ride. 
And that seems to have been a law that Action Park uh, shook, at least to some degree, um, amongst many, many, many other laws and regulations. And to understand this sort of haphazard approach to the rule of law, you really have to understand Eugene Mulville a little bit. Like, this is a guy who really was strong-willed, and he wasn't going to be told what to do by a judge or a city or a legislator or anybody. If he wanted something, he was going to find a way to make it happen. And you hear all sorts of reports of him basically pushing the limits of what was and wasn't legally acceptable, and then basically challenging people, say, bring it on. If you think I'm in the wrong here, take me to court, sue me, do what you will. And he kind of called people's bluff a lot of the time. Like people just weren't used to dealing with somebody with that much chutzpah who could just basically say, I'm going to do what I want. If you want to stop me, try to stop me. He seemed to kind of relish his notoriety in a way. You know, he liked being a public figure, like this kind of Donald Trumpish kind of guy. You know, I I don't, I never knew him. So it's hard for me to really say that. I will say that he was a really interesting character who, who had a lot of, passions that really kind of came out of the park. He was also a big philanthropist, apparently, uh, anonymously so. He was also kind of a, you know, we are talking about him for Action Park, but he was a businessman with a lot of prestige. He's a Wall Street guy. He founded a number of companies that were innovators in everything from MRI technology to uh, building design. I mean, he did a lot of really interesting he had a lot of interesting business pursuits over his career. None so uh, hilarious and amazing to talk about as Action Park, but he was a really interesting guy. He apparently, he opened one of the first microbreweries in the country on site Action Park at a massive Oktoberfest celebration. He just loved beer and loved Oktoberfest, in which he would walk around wearing lederhosen, apparently. And he <laughs> wanted his beer to be as authentic as it possibly could. So he literally went to Germany and found like a brewmaster from Germany, shipped a guy to New Jersey, got all of his ingredients from the area as well, to the point where the only thing not German about the beer was the water, which is kind of cool. Wow. Yeah. This is what kind of, I kind of want to wrap my head around this, and you've kind of just touched on it right there, but I was trying to figure out how his family had the money to operate this park and to buy it back, because I found this, I found this quote that he's, that in 1996, he said that he never made any money, uh, and all that that all Action Park did was cost him money. And I never knew why he did. He just keep it open for the spirit of it, or did he just was able to fund it with his other endeavors? Well, first of all, keep in mind when a businessman says they're 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 what you know fill in the blank doesn't make money. Uh, you know, Hollywood according to Hollywood, no movies ever make money. There's some there might be some accounting stuff going on there that we can't really speak to. Also, the park itself was part of a larger resort operation with ski resorts and hotels and spas, all these other things. And so, uh, you know, what made money, what didn't, eh, hard to kind of parse the parts. Um, certainly, though, his initial wealth came from Wall Street. He was kind of a, a relic of the Wolf of Wall Street era, like, you know, Gordon Gecko type, really big, loud. Apparently, he had one of those first Zachamorth brick cell phones and strapped <laughs> several of them to his belt and was constantly walking around. I heard he was a prankster. I heard he... Uh, which is really just mess with people. Like sometimes like jokes to the point where like, he just like tell people they're fired to mess with them when they weren't like really kind of. Yeah. He was a prankster. He was a really loud, bigger than life guy who, um, you know, just as a force of nature was really the only way I would describe him. Like I never met him, but everybody, the picture that comes from him from speaking to people who knew him well was very clear. Like he was a very, uh, larger than life personality who had vision and he wasn't going to live 
split the laws of, of man nor physics get in the way of his vision. <laughs> that is a beautiful quote. Uh, yeah. So now let's get back to your favorite memory. So now that we've sure. covered everything, what did you love about the place? You know, I just, I was very young going there, and I just remember seeing these things that felt like they were not real. And when you kind of mix in, you know, the couple decades of time and memory with what are on their surface insane sights that you see as a kid when everything seems larger in life, I just can't, you know, forget what it was like to see humans step up to that looping water slide and slide down and come out the other side. Like you almost felt like, <laughs> like I just felt like I couldn't trust my own memory for decades that that had actually occurred. Absolutely astonishing. That is so funny. I couldn't trust my own memories, but this is the kind of place that did that to you, messed with you. Yeah, it really does. And that's why I think a lot of people love to talk about Action Park because it feel, it, it's like an urban legend that's actually true. <laughs> and a lot of people, I think, have this experience where they feel like they can't trust their own memories. And so talking about it or watching the documentary or reading about it, it's kind of validating. It's like you're saying to yourself, okay, I'm not crazy. This actually happened. Yeah. Well, this is exactly the type of stuff that I love. And I'm, you paint such a great picture of what went on there, the types of people that were there. Um, it's just an amazing place, you know? It's, yeah, it's an amazing place. You know, it's open right now for the season. If anybody wants to check it out, uh, again, you don't have a looping water slide, nor do you have an alpine slide. But you still have the cliff dives. You can jump off of a 25-foot cliff. Apparently, that's a ride. Um, you still have the Colorado River Rapids, which are perhaps the most insane raft ride on the planet to the point where if you ride it today, you have to wear a Hannibal, Hannibal Lecter-style lacrosse mask before they let you on it. And so you have like 100 people waiting in line in bikinis and lacrosse masks to <laughs> ride this ride. They have the Cannonball Falls still where they, the slide just kind of cuts you off and shoots you out into a freezing pool. You have the Tarzan Swing that's still there. You have, uh, you have a lot of really great rides that are still there. It's a very unique park still. It's also a really beautiful park. It is kind of carved into the mountain and there's a, you know, in a forest almost. Um, when I was there last, uh, a, it was either like a gopher or a beaver, like a giant furry animal just kind of running around the top of the cliff dive and scared everybody off of it. So it's kind of a really unique feel to it. It's not like a water park that's built into a parking lot in Orlando. Like it, it feels like something special. Well, and along that, it seems like they still have the spirit of, of you know, the, the early action park today. Um, and one of the funny things, I want to get to a whole bunch of rules, but we're, we're out of time. But the first one that I had on here was life jackets are available at no charge in the park at a first come, first serve basis. When in doubt, wear a life jacket. They don't even have enough life jackets for everyone coming to the park. And that's OK. Well, I mean, let's see. OK, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. You've been to water parks before. Have you ever asked for a life jacket? Like, that's like, yeah, it's kind of, come on, come on. No, but no. Like, they don't even say that. But the way it's written is like there's not enough for everyone. And it's just, let's leave it at that, Seth. That's what's funny uh, about that. Okay, I'll let you, I'll let you have that. Let me have I'll, let you, I'll let uh, you have that. So what else do you have coming up, Seth? Oh, my goodness. What am I working on now? So I still have uh, my app, Cloth, it's called. Mm-hmm. You should uh, check it out. It's in the iTunes app store. C-L-O-T-H, it's a fashion app for people to save and organize their outfits and see what other people are wearing and uses the weather to help you get dressed. It's really fun. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I'm writing for some magazines and stuff. I'm doing a column for Bloomberg Business uh, every other week and a bunch of other fun old magazines. And I'm on a couple of TV shows, which you might have seen on History and Travel Channel and at Geo. Uh, a new show I'm on at Smithsonian Channel just started airing called My Million Dollar Invention. 
which is kind of traces the history of some really cool inventions, uh, the origin of them, if you will. And I'm on a show on Travel Channel right now uh, called Mysteries of the Castle and also Mysteries of the Museum, where we take historical artifacts from museums or, or great estates and manors and kind of use them back into these really cool historical stories. Uh, that sounds amazing. I'm going to have links yeah. to all this stuff on the website so people can check them out if they haven't already. Uh, all right, so Seth, thank you so much for being on the show. This, this is great. I'm glad that we're able to bring Action Park to as many people as we can who haven't heard about this already since the video is so popular. But this is a really, I don't think anyone's really gone in depth like this. And it's, it's really fun to hear everything, you know, about, about the park. No, there's so much more still. It's going for hours. <laughs> no, so, so thank you for being here. And um, I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a good night. Hey, thanks again. Thank you.